holy. The theme in the Word of God is simply that God is holy. Now, in this, I just want to begin to recognize something. Turn to Genesis 2, 3. Should be hard to find. First book, just two chapters over. Three down is three. This is something that we as a society have probably got away from. But in Genesis 2, 3, um, there's two things that are recognized in the Bible as being holy. Are you there? Genesis 2, 3. After Jesus created everything and God blessed the seventh day and sanctified it because it was because in it he rested from all of his work which God had created and made. I think that this is so cool because what is holy? The scripture said that it was a holy day, a holy day. Um, my translation doesn't necessarily say that, but he made it holy. Does anybody say holy? Your translation? Declared it, Declared it holy. Sanctified's here, but holy. But the original translation, I should have brought the NIV, says holy. So for God to say that the Sabbath day is holy, then we need to think about that a little bit. I think personally probably of all the mental and physical and illnesses that we have and the stress and the anxiety is because our society doesn't take a holy day off just some scriptures say just to honor and just respect God's glory and His creation. Just think about if you just took the day off, you didn't mow the grass, you didn't wash your car, you didn't do all those things you did because you worked all week, and you just said, I'm taking the day and rest. Just rest. I'm going to make it holy. I'm going to focus that day and that day only on, oh my gosh, you may walk outside and see a butterfly and just follow it for hours. Just giving God all the glory for the butterflies or the birds or just, you know, taking that time. And sometimes we misinterpret the Sabbath day. You know, some people say, well, when I clean my house on Sunday, that's therapeutic to me. Well, it's not rest. And so we need to get back to that. The other thing is that Exodus 3, 1 through 6 turn there. It's just a few pages over. 3, 1 through 6. So now we're talking about God made a day holy. Now let's see what he did here. Now Moses was tending the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian. And he led the flock into the back of the desert and came to Hiram and the mountain of God. And the angel of the Lord appeared in the midst of a bush so that he looked and behold, the bush was burning with fire, but the bush was not consumed. Then Moses said, I will now turn aside and see this great sight. Why this bush does not... So when the Lord saw that he turned aside to look, God called to him from the midst of the bush and said, Moses, Moses. And he said, here I am. Then he said, do not draw near this place. Take your sandals off your feet, for this place that you are on is holy ground. Now we see in the beginning of the scriptures that there is holy stuff. There's a holy time, there's a holy, a holy day, there's now there's a holy ground. And so after this, we need to understand that there's a lot of different things that are holy in the Bible. See, people can be holy, places can be holy, things can be holy, and time can be holy. Okay, we know these in Scripture. 
However, I think of it like this because it's so daunting for me because, I mean, I began to tremble a little bit. I've taught on holiness before because I was cocky and arrogant and thought I was all that and a bag of chips and I, I've got my Bible down and I pray and I read my Bible and I know I'm holy. And then yet when I began to think about it, what example can we use that holy? Holy is awesomely good, but then again it could be awesomely dangerous. See, the sun sits up in the sky at the perfect place. We walk outside, we feel its heat, we enjoy its warmth, we love its beauty and how it makes everything grow and flourish. But if I was to get too close to it, it's kind of like God told him, uh, you might need to hold up right there, back off and take your shoes off because you're right now in holy ground. And so I examine it like that because in a way I look at my life and I, I thought about it. If I asked each one of you, handed you a piece of paper, say grade yourself as holy from one to ten, one being least and ten being the most, I don't know what I'd come up with. Because we really don't understand holy. Let's just face it, we don't understand holy. Matter of fact, we don't see a lot of holy anymore. We don't see holy reverence. We don't see even people being reverent toward God. But then there was a time when Isaiah had a vision. I don't know about you, but I don't know. If some people may remember where you were in 63 when everybody got the news that Kennedy had died and people were just at awe with this. It just blew their minds. Things were freaking out. For months, it was just crazy. It was a great thing. What new leaders coming? Well, in the Old Testament, what happened is there was a king called Uzziah. And Uzziah was the king since he was 16 years old. And he reigned for almost a half a century. And he was that one to bring Israel all the glory and help to bring them back to the things of God and brought order and brought morality back. And then at the end of his life, he got cocky and arrogant. He began to fall as morality fell. And he collapsed under his own sin. And the Bible says that Uzziah died. But in the same sentence as Uzziah died, the Bible says there was one that came along and his name was Isaiah. And the Bible said Isaiah saw a vision. Same, think about this, the same year, chaotic country, your leader dies, and one that God raises up is Isaiah. And he had a vision. And in that vision, it's almost like God opened up the sky. Sometimes there's, when life has gone bad and things are going wrong and people die and you're hurting, you know, God will open up the sky to show you things. If we're willing. And Isaiah saw this vision. And lo and behold, he saw himself as being impure. And he ended up standing in a, in a temple where he wasn't supposed to be. And he knew and he was terrified. The Bible says that he was terrified being in there. Because not everybody could go into glory and the holy, holy of holies. And Isaiah found himself there. And instead of God at this moment, it's a great teaching tool, instead of God absolutely striking him dead and killing him or him dying under the glory of God, the Bible says that the angel brought down a hot coal and laid it upon his unclean lips and made him clean. See, God ain't really worried about our sin. We need to worry about our sin with God. But he came down in that moment and changed the atmosphere. See, God changed sin and immorality and came to a leader and placed the, the power of his glory and his holiness and cleansed the lips of Isaiah in a vision, which leads us right on down to what's going to happen later on. But think about it, that impure thing. 
Later on, there was Ezekiel that had a vision as well, and he saw the vision just coming out of the temple, and the flowing out of the temple was this glory, and this, this holiness was going there, and I won't go there today, but it does lead to the, to the theme of Jesus coming and that river taking over all of us as people. Now, God's holiness comes over us, and we see it over and over again in Scripture. It's used more often as a prefix to God's name than any other objective. Holy God, holy God, holy God. But how often do we actually think of God as being holy? So one thing is mentioned, and it's the only place mentioned by God. He's described in some places, you know, Yahweh, uh, Adoniah, whatever the names of God are. There's so many, but there's only one place, and there's only one time in the Bible that it's used three times, and it is holy, holy, holy is the Lord thy God Almighty. Holy, holy, holy. I like that. It's used three times. You won't find it anywhere else. Why? Because I think and believe that out of two or three witnesses, let everything be established. The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Three. Holy, holy, holy. So it's powerful to see this. And this is the only thing said about God in that fashion. It's used three times. It's the only time. Now, when Moses got fearful and he did all the things he did, think about what happened to him. He ran into a God, a holy God. I mean, he didn't disrespect and say, no way, I ain't taking off my sandals. I'm coming up in there. Uh-uh, uh-uh. He came in contact with a holy God. And if you'll look intently at the truth about God, you will join and understand the things that make up Isaiah, Ezekiel. When we get into the Old Testament, we're going to open our eyes a little bit more of how the theme comes along through the whole Scriptures about being holy. And so when we think about God, no matter how you want to change that, <laughs> what does it mean to be holy? No matter how you want to change that, he's always going to be holy. See, holy means to be distinct, separate, or set apart, or unique. I like that, set apart. Somebody say set apart. Set apart. See, God's set apart from everything. You know, you ever find that? You find that great shirt, or you find those special shoes that are different than everything else. They are like the only shoe you could have, the Jordans or whatever. What do we call that? We call that a cut above. We call that, that's a cut above of all the rest. See, God is a cut above of all the rest. There are many gods and there's many religions throughout the world, but we know that Yahweh, our God, is the holy God, the only God. And so how do we prove that? Well, we have to take Scripture and go down the list to find out how. In Isaiah 40, 25, God himself issued a challenge. He said what? He said, who will you compare me to? <laughs> who in the world is equal to me, God said. There's no comparison. God is not a supersized version of you and I. Why? Because the Bible says we're created in His image. We're not even closely like Him. It doesn't say necessarily all that, but He is subject to nothing. He answers to no one. This is who our holy God is. He answers to no one. Remember Hannah? We know the stories, and you think about being barren. Any women that maybe have had children or wanted children and couldn't have children, Hannah couldn't have children, and when God answered her prayer, her first prayer to God and Thanksgiving song was, there is no one holy like you, Lord. She gave honor where honor was due. She put that in a holy moment. That's a holy thing for her. It wasn't just a miracle that happened to her. It was holy. And there's no one besides you, she said. And you are the rock, and no rock is like you. David, we understand that he had that fortified situation in his life, and he was 
full of thinking about God and His holiness. said, Lord, there is no one like you among the gods, David said, and there are no works like yours. All the nations you have made will come and bow down before you. Lord, and will honor your name. David had a revelation of that. For you are great and perform wonders, David says, and you are God alone. Imagine all the things they had to deal with in those days. The God of Baal, the God of this, the God of that, the God of the sun, the God of the moon. All this was going on and everybody's challenged by who is God. And even the name of God to his archangel. You know, the archangel Michael. The archangel Michael <laughs> testifies to this truth. Why? His name is translated, who is like God. His name is translated, who is like God. I ask that question. Here's the first strand that we want to talk about this morning. And it's the holiness of God. He is like, he is not like anything or anyone. Many times we want to put him in a little vein, and I don't want to do that. When God met Habakkuk, the prophet, he described his reaction like this. Catch this now. I don't think we had this in our vocabulary, but when he came in contact with the living God, he said, I heard and I trembled within. My lips quivered at the sound of God. Rottenness entered my very bones. I trembled where I stood. <sighs> you know, I got that feeling that if God himself just stepped in our living room, I just got a feeling we would drop to the floor. But many times we don't treat God as a holy God. Habakkuk 3.16 says he was shattered by what he saw. And when we see him as he is, I just got a feeling we would be tra traumatized. Amen? Traumatized. It's overwhelming. It was very fearful last night when I began to study and talk about holiness, and I found this word, and that was holy, and the God was holy here and there. And the more I read, I got a revelation. I don't know holy. So I'm teaching only out of what you're getting because I really truly don't. I understand by Webster's Dictionary. I understand by defining it. I understand by the stories. But I can't truly know pure holiness because I'm human. So, brothers and sisters, there's a lot of religions out there today, and their goal is to make you feel comfortable and preach to you. And ministers might say things like, God, you could hang out with God. Oh, you could confide into God, and you could call on God anytime when things get tough, regardless of your relationship with Him or regardless of what kind of life you're living. Oh, no, 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 people. When we believe that lie, we have forgot that God is a holy God. It does mean something the way we live. We are supposed to be that. See, people want to call him Buddy Jesus or Buddy God or Old Pal. You hear people say, well, the old man upstairs. No, stop it. He's a holy God. God is not the bumper sticker on the car, nor what your neighbor says next door. He's the God of Israel. He's the God of you and I. Psalms 50, 21, 22. You thought you were just like me. Remember God said, y'all thought y'all were just, you thought you were just like me? Woo! 
But I rebuke you and lay out the case for you. Understand this, you who forget God or I will tear you apart and there will be no rescuer. It is dangerous, ladies and gentlemen, for us to forget that God is holy. Our God is a consuming fire is what the Bible says. A consuming fire. The fire did not cause the bush to burn. Hmm. Let the mystery of who he is strike us today. I hope it just pierces you in the gut like it did me last night, and it is right now, talking about a subject that I am very aware of. I am not there yet. Mm. (laughs) He don't fit in your theological formation. He cannot define in finite minds. That's part of what it means when he says he is holy. We have no clue. Now think about it, set apart, unique, a God of fire, a God of a consuming fire, a God that does not lie, a God does not look upon sin. To be holy is to be absolutely pure. Wow, wow. Think about that just for a moment. To be holy is to be absolutely pure. Holiness is being set apart from anything impure, order, or anything completely given, must be given over to God himself or It must be pure. When you apply these meanings to God, His holiness points to what 1 John 1.5 says. There is absolutely no darkness at all. James tells us that God is not tempted by evil, and He Himself doesn't tempt anyone. I even made the statement this morning, and and I started to correct myself, but I forgot. I said, oh, God's tempting you. I said, God's teaching you how to have patience. No, God don't do that. God doesn't tempt anyone. God can't even have his eyes to look upon anything that is unpure. He cannot tolerate wrongdoing. In a word, God is perfect. He is without sin. He is flawless. So blazing is God's purity. Mm. You have to think about that for a moment. We, we, we sometimes miss what we think God is. The Bible says in Isaiah 2 that the very seraphim angels in heaven take their wings and hide their eyes from the glory of God. And they're heavenly created beings and they still can't take it. What about me and you? So when we start thinking about that a little bit, I just want us to sink in about God's holiness. (laughs) Remember what it was said? So what hope do I have? Essentially, by nature and by choice, I am a sinner. I come to you today as a sinner who may ascend to the mountain of the Lord, who may stand in this holy place, the one who has clean hands and a pure heart, who has not seen or set his mind on what what is false, and who has not sworn deceitfully he will receive the blessing from the Lord, and the righteousness from God and His salvation. Is that anybody in this room today? We actually have to ask ourselves, where are we? But my hands aren't clean, church. And my heart is not pure. So sometimes I offer up my time and my energy and entertainment to things that are not God and based on a lie. Sometimes I do that. Do you? We all do. 
I will never climb to the holy heights where God dwells. 1 Peter 1, 14 through 16 says, makes it even more blunt. As obedient children, do not be conformed to this desire of your own former ignorance, but as of one who called you is holy. You also are to be holy in all of your conduct, for it is written, be holy because I am holy. See, nobody likes to read that scripture. Just give me the good fuzzy ones. Give me the good ones, Pastor. Give me the one that says I'm going to be healed. Give me the one that says I am blessed coming in and going out. Give me the scripture, Lord, that says I'm going to make it and life is good. Give me one that says I'm going to be comfortable in my time of trouble. Yeah. That's the ones we want. But my life is not holy today. My days are riddled with sin. My heart is attracted to sin. My mind tends to justify sin. I am so bent towards sin and its ways that Jeremiah tells me that I struggle just to identify myself. The heart is more deceitful than anything else and desperately sick. Who can understand it? Jeremiah 17, only God. Only God knows the heart. Because when we stand before him today, and you notice what I did here. I didn't say you. I said, but my life is not holy. I didn't say your life's not holy. I didn't preach to you today. I just noticed some things about me that if it come down to me facing that glory, standing before that fire, coming in the presence of the living God, that I'm not there yet. No creature is hidden from what? From him. No creature is hidden from him. We are not hidden from him. He knows everything. Somebody was up on a plane one time, and he said, ah, GD. And he said, oh, preacher's right there. Shut Don't worry about me. You better be worried about God. I hate your God. Don't stop cussing just because I'm the preacher. I have it all the time. I hate to tell people I'm preaching because they want to clean it up around me. Don't clean it up. Just go on. Let it, let it rip. Be yourself. Be yourself. <laughs> I ain't all that either. Just because I got the pastor title doesn't mean I'm all together. No creature is hidden from the sight, but the things are naked and exposed in the eyes of him to whom we must give an account. Let's just go ahead and say it today. I'm caught red-handed, and so are you. Our sin is not only makes us totally incapable of entering to a holy God, it makes us guilty of treason. We have broken His law. We have defiled His commandments, fallen short of His glory, trespassed in forbidden territory, and missed the bullseye of the holy God. So can mortal man be in right with God? Can a man be pure before his maker? Job 4.17 How can a holy God who must judge sin keep His integrity while pronouncing guilty sinners? Gets better. It gets better. 1 Peter 3.18 says, has the answer for this. For Christ also suffered our sins once and for all, the righteous of the unrighteous, that he might bring you to God after being put to death in the fleshly rim, but made alive by the spiritual whim. You might want to write this one down because it was the one that really got me. I love this. Listen, what, what his holiness demanded, his grace provided. Ooh. What his holiness demanded, his grace provided in Christ Jesus. Ooh. Ooh, got goosebumps tomorrow. That's why it's hope. We have hope. 
You know, because if it wasn't for the Lord Jesus coming and being that one, Jesus was that cold coming in us as sinners, and he put that cold on our lips, and he made us righteous. We didn't earn it. So what his holiness demanded, his grace provided in Jesus Christ our Lord. He stepped and took the white-hot coals and placed it upon our lips and the sin single act of Calvary so that all who put their hope there will be put to shame. Ladies and gentlemen, my sin is put on Christ. Your sin is put on Christ. Mm. His, holiness, his holiness clothes us. It's what the same thing God did in the Old Testament, what Isaiah's vision he did in the New Testament to us. I stand before God in a righteousness that is not my own. It's not your own. I stand in a place of a holy God that makes me forgiven. I stand in a holy God of holiness that makes me accepted. I stand in a holy God that granted me sonship. I stand in a place that offers me all the privileges of the King of kings and the Lord of lords. I'll close with this. I don't know about you, but I love music. And uh, I got some nice speakers at the house. I let Markella hear him a little bit when he was at the house, and I only turned it on four. I wouldn't dare turn it to ten. But I love loud music. I love all kinds of music. I like rock. I like classic. I like gospel. I like rap. I like everything that I can hear and is going to tell me something. I like hearing the words of people. I saw in Navarna's music that he was going to probably die or commit suicide way before he died. You could hear it in his music. He was a tormented soul, but he had a gift and a talent that was unbelievable. And so in that, I like it because I like music because it carries all kind of expressions. You know, Plato said it gives wings to the mind, flight to the imagination, and life to everything. That's music. I mean, I can remember the days and what music was playing at the skating rink when I was a teenager. Rock and roll, hoochie coo, That's what music does. It, it, it gets into us. And as Plato says, gives wings to the mind, flight to the imagination, life to everything. Music sets forth what is important to us and what moves us, what changes us what we long for, and what we remember. Music is a powerful thing. So do you know what the first recorded song in the Bible was? The first recorded song in the Bible is very powerful. Hmm. After the parting of the Red Sea, Moses led the whole nation and a song celebration. A celebration in God's holiness. One verse that captures the gist of the entire song goes like this. Lord, who is like you among the gods, who is like you, glorious in holiness, revered in praises, confirming your wonders. The first song in Scripture was talking about God's holiness. Wasn't talking about losing your wife and your dog got killed and uh, they stood up and gave God, a holy God, the props that it's needed. I want to watch this now. I told you I would show you holiness from Genesis to Revelations. What happened after that was an Apostle John. And Apostle John, in the last, 
era, wrote a book called Revelations. And in that Revelations, God took him into a future place. He saw the moment in the final outpouring of the wrath of God. And when it was about to take place. And when John saw this, John tells us that they sang a song of God's servant Moses and a song of the Lamb. Great and awe-inspiring are your works, O God. Lord God, the Almighty, righteous and true are all your ways. You're the King of all nations, Lord, who will not fear and glorify your name. Because you alone are holy. Church, you can't get away from a holy God. Because all the nations will come and worship before you. John said in the songs, because your righteousness acts have been revealed. So the first song in, in Genesis was verified in Revelations. They knew the song. We serve a holy God. And you can't escape it. Bow your heads this morning. Father, we just thank you this morning that you've opened our hearts and our minds to a word that may be easy to use. We may even use it in a contents of holy cow or holy Lord, holy crap, holy this, holy that. But Lord, check us today that we know by this message and by Genesis and by the very men of God, of Isaiah and Ezekiel and by the very apostles of, of John and Revelations, they knew who God was and he's a holy God. Still, just because we live in the New Testament and we have that freedom to have our coals cleansed by the Lord Jesus Christ. And the Bible still says, to be like me, Jesus said. Imitate me is what Jesus said. Imitate Christ. We're still to do that because Christ is a holy God. Father, I thank you and praise you for what you're doing in our lives today. And next week as we embark on beginning the, the, the ministry of Genesis and, and start studying those things, that we're no longer going to take it as a crazy book that we just don't understand. Lord, we're going to open it up just like this video did, five minutes of clarity just to give an overview. We're going to dive deep. Lord, I pray that I want to go deeper in 2018. I don't want to be the one that's shallow. I don't want to be the one, dear God, that I don't know enough Scripture that when God shows up in my living room, I'm going to say, that can't be God. I want to know without a shadow of a doubt because I'm not going to be ignorant of the Scriptures any longer. I want to grow in the things of you this year, Lord. So, Lord, check us and let us respect and honor you as we walk out of this door in this past, this coming week in reading Genesis 1 through 11. Lord, let us respect you as a holy God. And Lord, we thank you for you are holy. And we thank you, Lord, for what you're doing in our lives.